0: Here to score it for us is the Master of Disaster Public Relations Specialist,
1: Mike Paul. Mike Paul, known as the reputation doctor.
0: Well, there's a court of law and there's a court of public opinion.
1: Mike Paul is a crisis PR and reputation management expert, is all about reputation. Got some tips
0: on rebuilding those reputations. You first have to be transparent and then be accountable for your actions. He's got to get on the truth train right now. There's no ifs or buts in a true apology. You must speak directly to the issues that you've been involved with. You're going to have to have an across-the-board solution that is more than words, and you got to have actions. Let's do this. Welcome to Reputations in Crisis with Mike Paul, the Rep Doc. And our guest today is Dr. Lawrence Kobolinsky, he's a top forensic scientist, world-renowned, in fact. He is also a professor at John Jay School of Criminal Justice in Manhattan in New York City. And he is a news commentator regarding top crimes that deal with forensics. And we first met many years ago when we were both talking heads on Court TV. Dr. Kobolinski, welcome to the program.
2: Thank you very much, Mike. It's great to be here with you.
0: It's always great to be with you. But unfortunately, we have another case that is pretty sad. uh, The death of a young lady in her early 20s by the name of Gabby Petito. And involved, or at least a person of interest in the case, who has not formally been charged yet to date, it's her fiancé who is on the run by the name of Brian Laundry. We recently had Gabby's funeral.
1: Gabrielle Petito's life was honored in a public memorial service on September 26th. Her family, close friends, and hundreds of mourners gathered in Hallbrook, New York to pay their respects to Gabby in a funeral that was live-streamed. Several of Gabby's family members and close friends delivered moving speeches during the service, including her dad, Joseph Petito, who shared words of remembrance in honor of his daughter. Joseph said in his eulogy, Gabby is the most amazing person I've ever met. I'm asking that you guys be inspired by the way she treated people, all people. She genuinely loved people. He went on to share, quote, when you leave here today, be inspired by what she brought to the table. I couldn't be more proud as a father. Gabby's dad also encouraged people to live their lives to the fullest while they have the time. In lieu of flowers, the Petito family is asking for donations to a foundation that they plan to launch in her name. Gabby was found dead last weekend in the Bridger Teton National Forest of Wyoming after going missing on a cross-country road trip with her fiancé, Brian Laundrie. Gabby and Brian had documented their adventures on both YouTube and Instagram. And according to NBC News, Gabby's own social media accounts, as well as communications with her family, revealed that she and Brian had traveled through Utah, Colorado, and Kansas before ending up in Wyoming. However, when Brian returned to the Florida home that they both shared with his parents on September 1st, Gabby was not with him. Her family officially reported her missing 10 days later and revealed that they had lost contact with her in late August. Police later identified Brian as a person of interest in the case, but have not named him a suspect in Gabby's death. More recently, a federal grand jury indicted him for unauthorized use of a debit card after Gabby died. A federal warrant for Brian's arrest has been issued.
0: Her parents are speaking this week as well. But let's start from the first aspect of the case, which is the finding of the body in Grand Tenton National Park, I believe it is, in Wyoming, and the conditions of which if we were there, very hot at the end of the summer, during the last week of August, walk us through it a little bit from a forensic perspective, Dr. Kobolinsky, as to what those medical examiners and others saw when they finally saw a body.
2: Well, Mike, first of all, uh, the terrain is is very rugged, uh, hilly, mountainous, uh, and the temperature can go not only into the 80s, but at times into the 90s. So, uh, and, and there's humidity and, and moisture in the air. So we're talking about uh, an environmental issue here. Now, when a person dies, uh, they go through various stages of deterioration and decomposition. Uh, there's normally five stages, but because of temperature, decomposition can be speeded up. And I gotta tell you, in this case, I've been following the timeline from July 2nd to date. They left on July 2nd from New York to go to Portland, Oregon. The timeline is crucial, but the most important part of the timeline is the time of death. Uh, In forensics, we call that the post-mortem interval. So I'm assuming that the body could have been in decomposition, uh, in that environment, close to three weeks, perhaps not maybe two weeks. Uh, we won't know that until we know the exact time of death. We have a right. fairly good idea now. Uh, but forensically, time of death becomes complicated um, because after three days, some of the telltale signs uh, like liver mortis, rigor mortis, uh, body temperature dropping to ambient from, from the normal body temperature, ion exchanges of potassium in the vitreous humor of the eye. There are various ways to tell the post-mortem interval or the time of death. But after three days, it gets very hard. You need entomology. So I'm saying that if this case is going to hold up in litigation, we need to put Brian Laundrie at the scene of the homicide I'm calling it a homicide because it hasn't yet been declared a murder. He's more than a person of interest. He's now considered a suspect. Um, And, of course, he's missing. So there's not much anybody can do. It can't be questioned. He's he's just, we don't even know if he's alive. But getting back to the scene of the crime, I think when the uh, forest rangers from the Grand Teton National Park uh, discovered the body, or the remains, the the FBI referred to it as remains. I think it was in a state of decomposition. I don't know how far, whether it was complete. I I doubt that it was complete decomposition. If it were complete, it would have been skeletonization, which would have made it very, very difficult uh, to nail down uh, the cause of death, uh, unless there there was evidence in the skeleton. But we don't know that there was completely skeletonized. The body was in bad shape, I think. Uh, The coroner obviously took the remains, brought it back to the coroner's office. By the way, he did not do the autopsy. They brought somebody in from 360 miles away, uh, a medical examiner, to actually do the autopsy. I also suspect there was perhaps an anthropologist, perhaps uh, uh, an entomologist, the insect person, Uh, all coming together, and to this day, they have not yet revealed the cause of death. That is the big mystery right now. We have the manner of death. There are five manners of death. There is homicide, suicide, accident, death due to natural causes, and indeterminate. We now have a declaration that this is a homicide. I think from the scene, the coroner could tell right away that this was not an accident. Um, and, you know, that scene, that's worth talking about how the FBI handled the scene. But I will tell you that uh, the, the body was in decomposition. Uh, the cause of death will be known shortly. i My suspicion is they know it already. They yeah. just haven't declared it yet. Uh, and I'll stop here for more questions, Mike.
0: Well, you're, you're getting into a subject that I think is very important. So you said that someone's helped with the medical examination by coming over 300 miles away. So let's, you and I have commentated on many cases over the years, and one of the themes that has arisen then and now is the lack of expertise in some of the sections of our country in smaller towns and in more isolated areas. Let's start with The police, before we get into the medical examiner, and you mentioned the FBI now taking over the case. I found it very telling that when the FBI made sure that the world knew they're in charge now, that one of the first things they said is, we follow evidence based on intelligence gathering and don't just have people out searching a wide swath of area based on guesses. So let's talk about expertise. How important is that from your expertise as well as your observation of the case overall in making sure the right experts are doing their job, period?
2: Well, you're absolutely correct, Michael. You need the right expertise. I will tell you that this country has two kinds of examiner of death. One is a coroner. The other is a medical examiner. The coroner is just an elected position. And anybody can be a coroner. You can be a barber, a tailor, a shoemaker, and you could be elected as a coroner. But you can't do medical uh, examinations. So they had to bring in a medical examiner. Now, with the FBI, yes, I mean, if you're an expert, if you're the FBI, or you you know what you're doing, you're going to follow evidence because that you got to follow the fact. You can't you can't go with um, you know suspicions or hypotheses because you'll end up running rings around yourself. In fact, right now, laundry is being searched in this Carlton Reserve, 25,000 square miles. Yes, uh, I mean, I mean, it's, huge. A, it's a huge area. And so 25,000 acres, I'm sorry, that's what I meant to say. And it, I mean, it's a huge area, it's a lot of it is underwater. And if you don't know what you're looking for, uh, you're gonna do everything you can. You're gonna fly drones, you're gonna use canines you're going to use all-terrain vehicles, which is what they're doing. But without a lead, it's very difficult. I mean, it's almost an impossible task. And following the evidence is very crucial. That's why where the body was found, that is the primary crime scene. There are other crime scenes. The, the, the two, 2012 white van uh, is a crime scene. The laundry home is declared a crime scene. Uh, the uh, Mustang, uh, that uh, laundry owned, that's, that's a crime scene. So they have several different crime scenes, but the place where Gabby was found, that is the primary crime scene. And the FBI, uh, there was some photographs showing markings on trees and on different rocks because I think the FBI using the procedure that is used did a grid search and drew a schematic diagram and made measurements, everything that they were supposed to do. That's what professionals do. In fact, even the coroner came back the next day looking for some evidence. I mean, if she was, for example, hit over the head with with some kind of rock or something of that sort, blunt force trauma as the cause of death, they may have been looking for that rock. So, you know, you got to follow the evidence. You got to follow the facts. No guesses here because you're going to waste time and money, and as time goes by, it gives the guilty person more time to get away. Uh, so I think things were done fairly well. The only mistake that, as you well know, people are saying that they, they should have kept closer watch surveillance over laundry after he came back home to Northport driving that van.
0: Absolutely, a mistake. Nine days He has potentially, at that time, a nine-day lead to be anywhere? That's just
2: horrible police work. At first, I think they thought he was in the house. Uh, But then we know that, you know, he went out for this hike. They should have had him under surveillance the entire time. They couldn't pull him in because there was not enough evidence to even question him and arrest him. You know, you, you need to have an indictment. You need that probable cause, uh, you know, that that a crime was committed and that he knew that he was committing the crime uh, without probable cause. You, you can't do a lot. But they certainly could have kept them under surveillance. And that was a bad mistake. One of the
0: things that has changed. Especially over the last 10 years or so or more. Is the use of and the power of technology in an average citizen to give information to law enforcement. One of the reasons I believe this week that Gabby's parents are speaking out in this press conference, for example, is they're saying that if the public can help us, let's allow them to do so. And it's not just a phone call to a hotline. It could be their own personal smartphone. That has information, a spotting, perhaps, of Brian Laundrie out in public. And one of the things that just happened yesterday is that they're saying that perhaps he has been seen along the Appalachian Trail. As we have others who are looking for him in a swamp down in Florida. Do you believe that those leads are helpful Are they harmful? What is your opinion?
2: Well, the parents, first of all, claim they don't know where he is. They informed the police that he left the house without his wallet and without his cell phone, uh, which is telling. I mean, you know, people are so dependent on cell phones and communication. My thinking is he's got burner phones uh, for communication, so he can't be traced. He's not stupid. He's an outdoorsman. This is a guy that goes hiking in areas that normal people wouldn't survive. So he knows what he's doing. He could be on the Appalachian Trail. There are a lot of people that think that he had this long lead time to get away and that he may even be in Mexico. I I don't know, it's really hard to say. He may be in the Carlton Reserve at this point. He may be dead for all we know. Although some people think he's too much of a coward to have committed suicide. But anything is possible at this point because this gap in time, lack of surveillance, and just because the Mustang uh, was found at that uh, Carlton Reserve doesn't mean he's there. It could just be a decoy, a misleading thing that was planted there deliberately to throw the police off. Uh, Well, you know, you've got a lot of people looking for him. He's very recognizable at this point. He's been in all the media And it's really hard to believe that he's going to go unseen by somebody uh, unless he's dead, unless he's still in the reserve. Um, Because if he is, if he is dead, it's going to be very difficult to find him until the body comes up. Maybe if he's in the water, he might float up at the bloating stage. I, I don't know. It's really a hard call. We may never see him again. I mean, some people disappear. They know what they're doing. Um, So I don't know the answer to that question. Uh, I'm as curious as everybody else as to where Brian Laundry is.
0: Well, one of the things that we do know, though, that is if he is alive, he has to eat, he has to stay somewhere. And there is a chance that he might run out of money or a resource to get food, shelter, the things that he needs to continues to survive. We know that he used Gabby's debit card inappropriately, which is the reason why the, the feds are going after him in the first place as an excuse to interview him to seek to find more. And at that point, he took approximately $1,000 off of that debit card um, in late August, the last day of August, I believe, in the first day of September, uh, he used the debit card. Then we have a hitchhiker who's giving us some information that he was offering $200 at that point. So maybe he has enough money for several weeks or several months still. Uh, but we do know that law enforcement is pretty good at tracking those types of things, especially if money is involved and he has to come out at some point to get water or food or shelter of some kind.
2: That's a very, very good point, Michael. I will tell you this. He rated more than the debit card. Uh, this was a capital city bank uh, credit card, but he also rated two of Gabby's uh, bank, bank accounts. I really don't know how much money he has, but with cash, cash is hard to track. Yeah, credit cards can be tracked. Phones, cell phones can be tracked, not burner phones. But uh, he's, like I said, he's an outdoorsman. He's When it comes to running around, escaping and evading uh, police, I think he knows what he's doing. He's been successful so far. If he's alive, uh, you know, his whole mission is to escape uh, and get as far away as he can. Uh, and he does have some money. Uh, you know, it depends how much money he needs to survive for how long. You're right. Eventually, he'll get caught that way. But um, I, I don't know. I don't know how long it's going to take to really track him down. I think you hit it on the head when you said some citizen is going to recognize him and call it into the FBI. Uh, and that may lead to his arrest.
0: It is very rare for a situation like this to have a run-in days before with law enforcement. They were stopped. It was a domestic situation, obviously. Again, going to experience or lack of experience an officer has to make a determination as to whether this young woman's life is in danger. Who is the one who is more aggressive than the other? Who is more believable than the other? And we now have a chief of that division initially with an investigation and that person being put aside for a while as the investigation is now being sought to find out more detail as to whether they handled themselves, that officer appropriately with that stop. There are women's groups who are outraged to say that this was clearly domestic violence and then we find out after the stop that others had known about him supposedly hitting her and being witness to hitting her. What do you have to say about that as we look at not just that incident, but the character of the person that they're still seeking to find?
2: Well, on August 12th, uh, the Moab Police Department, this is in Utah, got a 911 call from a passerby indicating that he saw a man slapping a woman across the face and gave a description of the vehicle they were driving. Uh, The police, of course, responded. They tracked the vehicle. They found that they tracked it. The, the, the Brian uh, Laundry was doing 45 miles per hour in a 25 mile per hour zone, but they let him go a little bit further. He hit the curb, and that is when they put their lights and sirens on uh, and pulled them over. Uh, and they separated them as they should and questioned them. Uh, Brian had scratches on his face and on his hand uh Gabby was somewhat hysterical and crying she claimed she had OCD she claimed she was very stressed out she was doing this uh video uh, social uh, social network video uh that she was working on and she said she was under a lot of stress uh essentially she shifted the blame on herself uh and in fact she even uh, you know I mean it was really uh, it's hard to understand these things unless you put yourself in the mind of a woman who may have been, you know, abused. And let me
0: add a little bit to your excellent summation of uh, of what was happening at that time. But what also he said was that it was her OCD. So she had heard him describe it that way. And then she herself followed suit and said, I guess it's because of my OCD. You know, I have OCD which he's probably constantly, we know that term, gaslighting, right? And those women's groups that are outraged are quick to point out that it appeared that it was gaslighting and she was blaming herself even though she was the victim.
2: Absolutely. Uh, Absolutely. Um, It was pretty clear that this was a very difficult experience that they were having. Look, they're young kids. They'd been engaged for a a year and a couple of months. They were on this trip very close together, uh, under stressful times. And, you know, things happen. But I think the question whether the police did the right thing, what they ended up doing is separating them. They gave the van to Gabby to drive and they had him stay at a motel that night. So they separated them. It's really not clear. I mean, we're looking with hindsight and saying, wow, the police should have really arrested him or done something uh, because he was abusing her. You know, it's easy to say this with hindsight, but, you know, something else could have happened. They could have gotten back together again and they could have been just fine and gone on on their trip of sightseeing on to Oregon. So I don't know really whether I could I would say the police were at fault. It wasn't just the Moab police. There was another uh, group of police t- that came to the scene, uh, and there was a female officer that really felt that he was abusing her, that he was the aggressor. But of course, the Moab police felt she was the aggressor, um, and uh, you know now we know that was not not true. She was not the aggressor. Uh, she was responding to this stressful situation of domestic abuse, um, but. Police work is not easy, not easy at all. It resulted in somebody's loss, somebody's death.
0: What's next? What do you see happening in the coming days and perhaps weeks in this case?
2: Well, what I'm most interested right now is in the medical examiner or coroner declaring the cause of death. I think that is crucial. And I think we have to key in on the time of death. We have to have a timeline and associate Brian Laundrie with the murder. I'm gonna call it a murder now, because if you have the cause of death and it turns out that this homicide is actually a murder and it's gonna be litigated as such, you need to have all your, your I's dotted and your T's crossed. So we need the, all of these, the timeline is crucial. Uh, and then we have to find Brian Laundry, Because if we don't find them, you can't litigate a a trial. You can't go to trial. Um, And if he's deceased, that's the end of the case. So there's a lot that's ahead of us that we are waiting for. Um, But the cause of death is the next step.
0: So for those who don't understand the details that you were just discussing, um, why is the cause of death such a big deal? And let's say, God forbid, we don't find Brian Laundrie alive. How does that change? We know she's dead, unfortunately. Uh, Fill in some of the details as to why it's so important. um, And why does even his death stop a trial from happening?
2: Well, you know, you can have a homicide, which this is a homicide, uh, and it doesn't necessarily end up in a murder charge. Uh, you can have homicide because you know self-defense, right? and And there's no murder charge. But declare a, a murder occurred and to litigate that, you have to show that he was responsible for the cause of death. Now, like I said, it could have been blunt force trauma to the head. It could have been manual strangulation. We need to know that, and we need to associate land a laundry with with their crime, or else it falls apart. So these are very crucial factors uh, in going forward.
0: And there is absolutely no way to have a trial if the suspect is dead.
2: I think it ends right there. There's nobody to try. There's nobody to to punish. There's nobody to sentence. There's nobody for the jury to listen to. Uh, There's no trial. It's over.
0: So then the only thing that the parents would then want for their daughter is for the truth of the story, instead of it being a trial, but for as many details of the story as to what actually happened to play out and for others to learn from the truth of the evidence that they had, even though he might not be alive.
2: I think that is true, but remember there's still an allegation that Brian Laundrie's parents aided and abetted his escape there could be charges brought against them. If this pans out, I don't know where it's going. Uh, but yes, I think everybody is interested in justice, finding out what happened to Gabby. And if he is alive, bringing him to justice, That's that would end the story the right way.
0: Do you think that there's a chance that Brian Laundrie did not do this alone? For a man that is comfortable enough to stop with a hitchhiker... Could he perhaps have also, if he had planned this, to have someone that he knew from that area or someone travel to that area to help him? Do we think he did this 100 percent by himself?
2: Well, you know, that that's something that has to be looked at. But he's a loner. This is not somebody that has close friends. And he certainly didn't know anybody in Wyoming that might have helped him. that we that we and, know of that we know of, and, and who would commit a crime like that, not even knowing who they were killing? No, I think he's a loner, he's solely responsible, and I, I, that's why the cause of death is so crucial here to see what happened because, I mean, somebody could claim it was an accident and he got frightened and he ran, uh, but it makes no sense given what we know about his actions. Um, after he returned back from north uh, back to Northport.
0: Final question. You have an opportunity to perhaps get a message to her family if you're speaking to her family now through this episode and they're seeking to ask you a question or seeking tips from a forensic perspective in how to best handle, finding out more information about the death of their daughter, what advice would you be giving the parents if they're listening now?
2: Well, I mean, this is just an incredible tragedy. And unbelievable, a young 22 year old, vibrant young woman taken away so soon. Uh, I mean, it's just a horrible situation, but I would tell her to have faith in the FBI. This is an organization, they know what they're doing. They will be transparent to the family once the legal stuff is finished. Um, They will know exactly what happened, when it happened, how it happened. They will be briefed on everything. So they have to be patient. Justice will be served. We all hope.
0: Thank you so much, Dr. Kowalinski. I really appreciate you taking the time. I know that your voice isn't 100% and you're such a trooper. You uh, still allowed us to have our interview today. So thank you very much. I I greatly appreciate it.
2: Thank you. It was a pleasure being with you.
0: And today's T-shirt is Stop Violence Against Women. How appropriate for this episode. May Gabby Petito rest in peace and... um, we hope that what is learned from her tragedy is that, sadly, domestic violence situations exist, uh, people's lives are at risk, and if you know of a situation like this and you're, or you're currently in a situation of domestic violence, obviously seek help as soon as possible. Thank you. This case, The Gabby Patino death, I believe soon to be labeled murder, is just tragic. Um, It includes domestic violence. It includes a narcissist. uh, It includes an alleged murderer um, and a fiancé still on the run. For him to come back and not help law enforcement to seek to find his fiancé in itself speaks volumes obviously. He lawyered up and he's on the run. The big question is, will we find him? Will we find him alive? Will it happen soon? And when we do, will he be brought to justice? If he is the person who killed Gabby Petito think we're gonna learn a lot more in the coming days and weeks. Stay tuned, we're gonna to have to do a part two of this episode because we're not close to the end of this case. Thank you so much for listening to our details thus far. We'll have much more soon. And thank you for watching Reputations in Crisis. And remember, follow us on YouTube by hitting the subscribe button, and also an audio form on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Remember, less head work, more heart work. Peace. We'll see you next week.